That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Hagrid got up, went over to his dresser, opened a drawer, and pulled out a picture of a short wizard with Hagrid's crinkled back eyes beaming as he sat on top of Hagrid's shoulder. Hagrid was a good seven or eight feet tall, judging by the apple tree beside him, but his face was beardless, young, round, and smooth. He looked hardly older than 11. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, the show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way that the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about today. Chapter 24, Rita fucking Skeeter's Scoop. This chapter starts with Rita fucking Skeeter reporting on a very private conversation in which Hagrid revealed to someone who is not Rita fucking Skeeter that he's a half giant. It colors him as violent and unpredictable and manipulative, and it suggests that he only got his job through his mysterious sway over Dumbledore. It's a hot pile of shit, but it really upsets Hagrid, understandably. After squaring off with Rita fucking Skeeter herself, Hermione marches to Hagrid's hut to demand he cheer up and forget about it. Meanwhile, Harry's having some trouble with his eggy wig. Welcome to the restricted section where we wouldn't know ethical journalism if it slapped us in the face. I am rejoicing because I'm joined today by my erudite friend, Haley. Say hello to the listeners, Haley. Hello, listeners. She spent five minutes trying to come up with one, and it that's a good one. Well done. Erudite's a good I was like, surely I've used that before because divergent is always on the brain. <laughs> um, but I guess I haven't. And also, I'm super stoked. Um, everyone, welcome our returning guest, the inquisitive Sam O'Brien from Content and Capable. Say hello to the listeners, Sam. Hello to the listeners. You can catch Sam also on Prisoner of Azkaban Chapter 2, The Scar, or don't, because it's a really boring chapter, which is why he a- we asked him to come back for this one. So thanks for pulling double duty, Sam. Look, um, compared to the last episode I was on, a lot happens in this chapter, and I'm actually kind of, I'm like, well, it kind of balances it all out. My experience yeah. overall, average. <laughs> we aim for average here at the restricted section it's not your uh, fault it's just the books at this point it's true it's true before we get into it i just wanted to wish everyone a happy valentine's day i don't know if that's your thing or not i don't really care um i love each and every one of you my precious listeners my sweet babies <laughs> i'll keep my uh, i'll keep my conspiracy theory to myself your Valentine's Day conspiracy theory? Yeah. Ooh. Is it just the classic conspiracy theory about capitalism? No. What? No. Oh, oh no, I've told you this one. Uh, all right, I won't keep it to myself. Um, there was never a St. Valentine. He he was invented by Big Scorpio. Uh, we infiltrated the Catholic Church oh, yep. to uh, propagate more Scorpios. Hey, don't get pregnant. Yeah. PSA, yeah. don't get pregnant on Valentine's Day. Yeah, or you'll give birth to a fucking Scorpio. Yeah, yeah, that's what they want. That's what they want. Yeah, to be yeah. honest, like, St. Valentine isn't even that big of a saint. I don't know why we celebrate it so much. It's like, nah. Because we made him up, Sam. <laughs> we made him For up. For the purpose of being celebrated. Yes. I'm giving more evidence here. I love it. 
<laughs> okay, so before we get into the proper, the chapter proper, um, I want to read a quick uh, owl mail. I always like fumble. I'm like, what is it called? It's called owl mail. Um, and this is from uh, Fraser Neal. And Fraser writes, Hi, peeps. Longtime listener to the podcast, having burned through it in a month whilst reading the books. Listening to the last two chapters, but th- this email was from two, uh, you know, several chapters ago. So just <laughs> listening to recent chapters. And the delightfully nasty Rita, I was blown away by the comparison to the UK and to a lesser extent Australian tabloid media. This didn't seem to occur as much to the hosts. Maybe it's less of a U.S. thing. The comparison also seemed prescient when you look at the eventual direction of the Rita plot and you look at the News of the World tabloid that closed down after illegally hacking phones, including that of a young murder victim. This probably would have been at the front of JKR's parentheses Joker. Get it? Jokes are so much funnier when you explain it. This probably would have been at the front of the JKR's mind, particularly considering Rupert Murdoch's as an Australian, our best export. You are welcome to him in America. Murdoch's paper's portrayal of the royal family through the 90s. This is probably ground that Sam from Content and Capable could cover a lot better than I can. And me also, Frazier. Um, Just a thought that I wanted to share. Keep up the good work. And I'm looking forward to the upcoming ups. Thank you so much for the email. America does have tabloids, but they're, like, not in my scope of, like, I don't think about them ever. What do you make of this, Sam? So, there's, there's like, three things going on here. First of all, um, the American, like, perception of this is very interesting. Because if you look at the whole Meghan Markle scandals and Thomas Markle getting, you know, courted, basically, by the UK tabloid press, which is just, like... Consider the tabloid press in the UK and Australia like sirens. They look great on the outside. And once you get into their teeth, it's like, shit, get out my, the fuck out of here as fast as possible. <laughs> and I think Meghan Markle had a bit more of an understanding of it. But the American media wasn't quite sure how to report on this. And the UK media was just like running rings out of every, uh, around everyone. No one knew how in America how to handle it. And it's the same It's been the same through, you know, for forever, as long as anyone can remember. No one can quite understand how, you know, how fast the UK tabloid media works. What we have to also remember, and especially I think of the Diana, the death of Princess Diana as like a real catalyst to the real shittiness that went on, is the Mm. fact that, um, that they're willing to go to anything for a story. You know, the death of a royal to get pictures. Um, and, you know, we don't understand, like, the, and part of that is because these tabloid newspapers end up on what's called the Royal Rota. They get exclusive access to, um, the royals. Um, they get the stories first. Um, and, and so they expect that this is, you know, it's, it's our right. It's not something they have to earn. And it's never had been, been something they have to earn. But time and time again, we keep, continue to see this negative behavior and this destructive behavior where they go after anything because the day to day life of a royal is pretty boring. Like the right. royal headline I saw this last week was because Harry and Meghan have left the royals. Um, Princess Kate um, has taken over as, I forget what the title was, but she looks after rugby for England. 
Um, and it was just like, that's the royal thing that's happened. That's really boring. Whereas, you know, the tabloid will go and find a scandal or something or, you know, blame it back on Megan and be very, very explicitly racist about it as well. And wow. in Australia, um, Daddy Murdoch, as, uh, as I like to jokingly call him, really does Oof. have that control. He owns newspapers. He owns 90% of the newspapers in Queensland. We're looking into putting in what's called a royal commission about his ownership of news uh, here in Australia. He owns Fox News um, in America for Australians. The equivalent is Sky News. It's like Fox News Lite. Um, and then... Um, Sky News in um, the UK, as well as The Sun, um, News of the World, and a whole bunch of other things. And we we continue to see journalists breaking rules. So, when you learn journalism, the, the other thing to keep in mind is journalists have these real strict set of rules that they have to follow. Don't accept bribes, don't pay for interviews, don't do this, don't do that. And the rules aren't enforceable. Um, they've been designed in a way that the people who promote these rules don't have any teeth behind them to enforce it. So it's like an honor code. Yeah, it is basically yeah. an honor code. And it is a bit more enforceable in other places where there might be more control of the media, where, you know, theoretically press freedom is less. But, mm-hmm. you know, making sure you get an interview by honest means. You're not, you know, doing things that are hurting people. And yet... Because in the US, Australia and the UK, there is no way to enforce this with penalties that make media companies really pay attention, they continue mm-hmm. to do the wrong thing. Um, less so in America, just because there is so much that happens in America without having to go to that extreme. But, um, That's you know, a good point. Mm. You know, in, on a slow news day here in Australia, of course someone's going to stir up some shit about the Prime Minister. Um, we've just had in the last week. Um, a series of texts between senior officials in the government, you know, we're a couple months out from election, get leaked in front of the National Press Club um, and, you know, ask, you know, what do you think of these? And people like holding their cards and going, we're going to make this real shitty for everyone. Um, and it's the same in the UK. The amount of times you see even just like TV hosts or people in the public eye, you know, who have had serious mental health problems um, it, it's, it's not even funny. And a lot of it is blamed on the press because they just don't understand, yeah. you know, that everyone is human and everyone deserves to be treated with respect. Yeah. Sorry. Like Brittany. Yeah. Oh, Brittany. Yeah. I think like, I, I think in the States, like the difference in the States is that, um, like we've got journalism for politics and then we've got journalism for celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's some crossover with some of the tabloids where it's garbage news, but like, it's all stuff like the New York Post, where it's just mostly pictures, mm-hmm. um, and like so you've got you've got that like tabloid journalist behavior from a lot of the paparazzi, but like a lot of the shittiest stuff politically for us, I think, comes from pundits who aren't strictly speaking journalists. They're just people with opinions that are good at being loud on TV or on the radio. Like Alex Jones is not a journalist. He's just some dude. And neither is people like Tucker Carlson. Boris Johnson worked for a newspaper for a long time as well. Um, A lot of these people don't receive former journalism training. And what I recommend is if you're looking for someone to trust for news is have a search of their credentials. Their credentials are somewhere um, and have a search of where they've been trained, where they've worked, 
the kinds of um, stories that they have written from their very early days through to the present and then make a decision on the kind, whether how trustworthy you're going to make that journalist. You know, I look at Tucker Carlson and the history of him and he was just like a rich kid who just got landed into these media jobs. Yep. And so, therefore, I don't consider him a real journalist because right. he wasn't trained and he didn't have to practice it. That is something that Fox News, um, that's like their fallback excuse mm-hmm. when people are like, how can you allow all of this misinformation? Like their fallback excuse is like, well, we have actual journalists who have their time slots and then we have our pundits who have their opinion slots and everyone knows the difference. No one knows the no, difference. No one knows the difference. This is brand news to me. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the conversation I have to continue ha- to have with relatives and people I know is that sitting there and watching Tucker Carlson, while you might agree with his opinion, that's great. I'm going to respect your opinion. It's not news. Um, news right. is our national broadcaster, the ABC, every hour on the hour giving a news bulletin of the top stories of the day. Um, mm-hmm. News is the newspaper w- which has exposed, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, different stories and you read through every story, but you avoid the opinion. And this is the great thing I love about text-based journalism, um, especially when it's done right, is that there is a section for opinion for journalists to insert their opinion, but it has to be kept very separate from the section that you, you know, go to report the facts and go, this is what's happened. So this is not what Rita Skeeter does. No, I have so many (laughs) issues with her article is not even funny. I think she would fail first year journalism. Yeah, it is. It is really wild. The things that she is allowed to publish. But okay, so that's a that's a great transition into our chapter Mm because that's why Sam's here today to guide us. He he specifically requested that he be able to talk about Rita Skeeter. So I said, let's fucking do it. So let's go. Today we're talking about chapter 24 of Goblet of Fire, Rita Skeeter's Scoop. Say that five times fast. Rita Skeeter's Scoop. It's going to turn into a soup eventually. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So the chapter starts on Boxing Day, a.k.a. the day after Christmas in Commonwealth countries. I think we've already explored on this podcast what is Boxing Day. I love it. (laughs) Hermione and Ron are being way too nice to each other because they had a fight last night. We've all been there. Yeah. 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 And Harry's like, ugh. Would you please pass the marmalade? Yes, (laughs) here is the marmalade. Thank you for the marmalade. Everything's normal. (laughs) Act normal. They're like like the parents who had like a huge blowout the night before and- um, the child overheard it, and they everyone knew the child overheard it in their bedroom. But the next morning at breakfast, the parents are weirdly nice to each other. We're yeah, just gonna pretend like, nothing what happened. Is happening? Uh, so and so Harry's like yikes about that, and also he's like yikes because February twenty fourth, the date of the second task and also Leela's birthday is looking very close now isn't it Harry you didn't even buy Leela a gift yet and you really need to figure out that egg as well shame <laughs> yeah more important the gift for Leela no seriously yeah for sure but he's like I'm not gonna take Cedric's advice because fuck that guy <laughs> basically <laughs> he's like um he probably should have given me better advice if he wanted me to follow his advice He's Mr. Steal Your Girl. This is where I have to agree with Harry. Like, it's like, you know, I've given you clear, you know, advice, clear instructions on what's happening. And you gave me have a bath. 
This is such Hufflepuff advice, though. Like, oh, this is, here's a fun little riddle for you. (laughs) And it's like, I really feel like Cedric more than Harry would have reservations about cheating. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, this isn't cheating. This is just like a weird ambiance suggestion. He's like, oh, like, I'm going to go like do this really friendly thing. And I'm going to do it in this like slick way. (laughs) Don't forget that Cedric is 17. Like, he's not a grown adult. <laughs> Internally, it's like his his Hufflepuff uh, need to not cheat is warring with his Hufflepuff sense of fairness. Yeah. yeah. Yep, exactly. It just gives me vibes of when my dad goes, uh, I go, where is this tool? And he goes, it's in the shed. And I go, okay, is it in the shed or the garage? Okay, awesome. It's in the shed. Okay, what part of the shed? You realize the shed is huge <laughs> and it's full of things. Like, come on. <laughs> Go to the bath. Um, he doesn't. He They go down to their first Care of Magical Creatures class of the spring term. I guess it's like mid-January, early mid-January. But Hagrid isn't there. It's Professor Grubbly Plank. Is this the first time we see Professor Grubbly Plank? I believe that it is. Yeah, I, I get Grubbly Plank confused with the first Care of Magical Creatures teacher that Hagrid takes over for in third year. I think his name is like Kettleburn or something. Yes. Goes to spend his time with his remaining, the rest of his life with his remaining fingers. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, so this is Grubbly Plank. Grubbly yeah. Plank is a lady. Oh, they've, um, are, um, they've also discussed with Hermione what they learned last night about Hagrid being half giant. Yeah, so we're still actively thinking about that for probably no reason. Mm. <clears throat> so Grubbly Plank won't tell them what's wrong with Hagrid but like she honestly might not know but she's like I'm not fucking we're not talking like we're not friends and that's probably a good approach it's so weird running into a professional teacher at yeah. the school <laughs> yeah for sure do you think she's a, like a like what's her employment like is she like a substitute is she like you know teaches I don't know there's no way that this is her main source of income she's got to do something magical creatures with her own time yeah and, like, have some kind of arrangement, but she can't just be, like, a full-time substitute teacher for this school with ten teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe she has, like, uh, I almost said ranch, but this is in Scotland. It's not called a ranch, but, you know, some, what's, a farm. Yeah. She has, maybe she has, like, a, or, like, what do you call, like, a sanctuary. Maybe she breeds pegasi. Yeah, or she could be, like, the, the official, like, breeder for Hogwarts, who, like, you know, as much as Hagrid tries to do it himself- you know, the yeah. existing arrangement DIY. was for her farm to, like, provide the magical creatures for um, Interesting. Hogwarts. I like that. The lesson is on unicorns, which unicorns hate boys. That's, like, a great excuse for Harry and Ron to not have to do anything and to be able to do this other thing. Dumb jokes. <laughs> she literally, probably blank, like, fucking clotheslines him and is like, she doesn't like boys. <laughs> So Malfoy, unfortunately, is the one to share the news that Hagrid has finally been featured in a story by Rita fucking Skeeter. Did they not go to breakfast that morning? Wasn't the mail delivered at breakfast that Like, come on. Like, what? what? Yeah. yeah. This, I guess this is before uh, Draco decides, like, I'm going to start making this a, a morning time comedy routine. This is before <laughs> mornings become the Slytherin table comedy hour. <laughs> <laughs> So I have like a couple questions about the Daily Prophet, because first of all, newspaper media monopoly, not great. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're like the only source of news um, besides Witch Weekly, which is a different tone. 
Don't forget the quibbler. And the quibbler. <laughs> Isn't the daily profit held to any standards? Like an honor code? By whomst? Yeah, I was about to say, let's look at let's look at the, the, the real life parallel here in, in the UK. Do you think Rupert Murdoch's new mastheads, you know, stay up to a standard? No. I guess it's just like the only publication in this community can't be a shitty tabloid like it has to be a good reliable news source like no it doesn't not if it's the only game in town (laughs) yeah and this is what conservative like like conservative tabloid news is is it it frames itself as a legitimate news source i actually had my father the other night on an unrelated note talk about our state masthead here which is called the korea mail um and said it's it's not worth it's toilet paper um, and I was like, you know, and that that's the thing. It's a news. It creates news. Don't get me wrong. Right. But at the same time, it's, you know, not worth anything to anyone. Is their job to report the news or is it to sell papers? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. They do pay for these for sure. Even with that being said, it's still, I still find it really bonkers that the Daily Prophet would be comfortable publishing a story like this, that it they talk shit about Dumbledore in, like, the first sentence. And I, I that kind of blows my mind, because Dumbledore's an important person, you know? And it's like, why even bring him into this? I don't know, man. I just... It doesn't add up to me. I feel like he's an important person in the way that, like, Obama's an important person, where it's, like, all Harry really interacts with in his own daily life are people who are like, he's the best. And then, like, there's another very large subset of society who are also buying these papers who are just like, oh, that guy. Fuck that guy. Wow. Like, you know, like the Malfoys. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the article insinuates that Hagrid is scary and he used his mysterious influence, which... That's not an accusation. That's just like vague feelings over Dumbledore to get his teaching job in the first place. Okay, but before we even get to the content of this, why would you, in the first sentence of a news article, go, you just interject at the very end, right to Rita Skeeter, special correspondent? I know, isn't that's not normal, is no, it? No, <laughs> you have what's called a byline. So you have your headline yeah. and then, you know, by Rita Skeeter, special correspondent. And then the content. <laughs> she just wants to really drive it home. Yeah. Is, is Harry, like, reading it out loud or so? No, because Harry would never, like, artfully put Rice no, Rita Skeeter. No. Like, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Malfoy move. It is really a Malfoy move. He's um, got that showmanship. He wrote it in himself <laughs> before handing it over, and Harry doesn't know how to go off script. Yeah. So we do unfortunately learn in this article that Hagrid personally bred illegally, I guess, the blast-ended scroots. Um, and basically, basically this article is like, Hagrid is half giant. We don't know how he gets good things in life despite being half giant. You remember giants, they're violent and terrible and they all support Voldemort. Mm-hmm. So, in summary, fuck Hagrid. Yep. Uh, and yep. the amount of opinion that's interjected into this, like, there's facts. Like, you know, Hagrid's a giant. Giants were, you know, typically associated with Voldemort and things like that. But then, like, the, it, it's top and tail by all this opinion. And it's like, okay, great. But now you've inter- like, 
and this is the problem and the, the discussion we have as journalists, you can't interject yourself into the story. You can't interject yeah. your own opinion. And so, you know, you can write, like, Rita Scooter could have written that much better to, like, have her opinion there, but have it backed up by fact or something. And she right. just continues to ignore the fact that that's a thing that she can do. She's not very artful. Does special correspondent mean that she's basically a pundit? Huh. A word I learned today. Well, now I have to search up the, the definition. Um, I think... Um, I think she literally is just as like, if you're going to publish something I wrote, it has to say that I'm a special correspondent. Well, she might have been assigned to the... As much as she's banned from Hogwarts grounds, she might have been assigned to the whole... You know, the whole of the Triwizard Tournament. So she's the special correspondent. It's like for the Olympics. Often they get like a lot of ex-athletes to be, you know, correspondents or like um, journalists on the ground mm-hmm. for, you know, the interviews and things that they do post things thinking about the Winter Olympics right now. See, I was wondering if maybe it meant that she's like technically a freelancer. Yeah. Like, uh, like paparazzi fo- uh, photographers and like she's she doesn't work for the profit. She's not salaried, but yeah. she like works on commission and is like so she has to sell them these sensationalist stories. My right. problem with that is that she ends up writing more stories later um, on a whole like and then we get we get she probably is actually she probably gets employed full time at some stage. But at some stage, she is, like, writing a whole bunch of stories for the prophet. Um, but Hermione does later bully her into writing a story for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if she's just a freelancer. Oh, yeah, true. After Care of Mar- Magical Creatures, at lunch, they, like, tell Hermione what about the article. Because um, she was busy hanging out with a unicorn that the boys weren't allowed to come near all class. So good for her. She deserves it. So they're, like, discussing how Rita fucking Skeeter might have overheard Hagrid. Like, how? How? And there's a bit of a joke about, like, we would have seen her if she was listening in the bushes. And it's like, yeah, that's a weird fucking thing to do. And why were you guys doing it? (laughs) Also, they did 100% see her while they were hiding in the bushes. They just didn't know it was her. Yeah, I can't get that picture out of my head of what it must have looked like to Rita Skeeter to just be like listening to this and then to catch Harry Potter hiding from a dance in the bushes. And like not be able to write about it also. She didn't get any news from it, but it must have just been so funny. He was like staring at her. I think it was intensely. Yeah, oh, definitely. (laughs) But like it really sets her up for when she goes to write the hit piece on Hermione when like because ha- it gives her more ammo to fire in terms of Harry really likes Harry they're basically boyfriend and girlfriend whatever mhm okay so so after dinner they go down to Hagrid's hut and they knock and they knock and they knock but there's no response except for Fang barking desperately which is so sad to me <laughs> baby boy so then that weekend is a hogsmeade weekend so yay they're going to go to Hogsmeade. Um, on their walk, they see Victor Crumb diving into the lake, even though it's January in Scotland. People from cold places just be that way. All of my friends from New England will, like, happily go to a beach in March. Like, a New England beach yeah, in weird. March. And swim. I've done it in the Outer Banks before, or, like, Norfolk, and regretted it. I have a friend of mine from Australia um, who uh, is studying in the US, but he flew over to Europe to um, visit some friends. And they were out in Norway and they went um, and dived into the lake 
uh, he got out straight away because he um, this is obviously used to warmer climate. But apparently, the Norwegian friend of his just was like continuing to swim in the lake in the middle Jesus. of winter, like snow and everything. I can't imagine that at all. There's nothing I would want to do less in this world. I was like up a mountain with a girl who like her family had a cabin up there out in the White Mountains and like there's no running water. So we did the old stream bath and it was October, I want to say. Good God. I like walked in and then immediately ran out because like the entire top layer of my skin was numb already. Yeah. And she just kept like paddling around. God. Yeah, I can't relate. Yeah. So they go to Hogsmeade. They go to the three broomsticks for some butter beers. Ludo Bagman is there with some goblins who look mad. <laughs> wonder what that's about. Yeah, it's like he owes them money or something. Mm. Right. Covers it up very well. Like, it's quite convincing that he's covered up. I'm I like- know. I completely agree. I, I, I think he literally is like, yo, Barty Crouch being missing is actually like a great thing for me. Because that's his excuse. So he comes over for a private word with Harry. He says that the goblins are looking for Barty Crouch. They want, but they want money from Ludo Bagman. So it is like the perfect cover to say that they're looking for him. Yeah. Um, Because apparently Barty Crouch has fully and completely stopped coming to work. And he is like sending directions with Percy, which like, is he on extended medical leave is he's getting paid for this yes he probably would be paid for it i mean he's the head of the department yeah Yeah. so then bagman is like harry how is the egg going and harry's like it's fine and he's like okay do you want some help this is the second time in this one day that harry has lied about this p.s because like hermione was like don't you want to take the the weekend while everyone's away to work on your egg and he's like oh no i've I i think i've i think i've about figured it out I just can't believe that he isn't honest with Hermione, considering how much she could help him. I can't believe she believed him. Yeah, true, true. Come because on, she, girl. She really is like, oh my god, that is so surprising and awesome. Well done. Like, I maybe ask for evidence. I think she's got other things on her mind, though. Like, she's oh, got true. other things that she's thinking she does, about. She does have tall, dark, and handsome uh, situation on her mind. That's- she has new relationship brain. Mm-hmm. It's fuzzy like COVID brain or pregnancy brain. Yeah. Can't see straight. <laughs> She's like, Harry's probably fine. I, whatever. <laughs> he can he can take care of himself for a week. He'll let me know when he needs help. Also, I think she's gotten to the point where like harassing him about it. She's like, if I harass him more, he's just not going to do it. That's the most frustrating thing in the world. As some, I'm as someone with an ADHD husband, that's that that. Uh, what's the word? <laughs> fallacy. That fallacy is like the most annoying thing to me. I've it's got like, it. It's like if you ask me to do it too much, then I'm not going to do it. But if you only ask me once, I'm for sure not going to remember. So there's like this sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. Of like nagging. Or I can, I can just like do like I'm like, okay, maybe if I put this into your line of where you have to walk, maybe that will help. Does Sean have the thing where he like goes to do a job that you've been wanting him to do for forever at the most inappropriate time ever? Or is that just something my brothers do? <laughs> mm. It was 1am t- this morning <laughs> and my brother goes, I'm going to wash the dishes that have not been washed all week. And I'm like, A, excuse me, I'm watching TV show. And B, <laughs> you're supposed to go to bed. Like, right. <laughs> I um, resemble all of these remarks. Sean <laughs> does at times like forget to do the thing until he's about to go to bed. And then he's like, fuck, I didn't do the thing. So then he goes to do the thing. 
This is why I live alone. And it is dishes a lot of the time. Okay, so Fred and George show up and Ludo Bagman dips the fuck out. He's like, I'm not doing this. Right Just this now. man this man owes everyone money. Yeah. Children. Poor children. Crushing yes. debt. <laughs> Enter Rita fucking Skeeter in banana yellow robes. And pink nails, like that combination just, ooh. It's like a Laffy Taffy. You know, there's people that that color combination looks good on. None. I, I don't think Rita Skeeter is uh, one of them. I am assuming she's about as white as me. <laughs> yeah. And like, I would, I would simply never. I would, I can't, that's not for me. That color's not for me. Also, not to be this way, but I would never wear banana yellow in the winter. That's a summer color. But mm. she wants to be noti- noticed. Like when she's not when she's not in bug form, she's like I want to be noticed so that I I can incite reactions so I've got more <laughs> fuel to add to the fire. She's either a beetle or a butterfly. Ooh. She sits right next to the trio and she's talking about how Ludo Bagman is being sus, but and it's true, but fuck off. So Harry Potter loudly asks if she's trying to ruin someone else's life. And it's in these moments that I love and respect him. Yep. Good boy. Good boy. And like the bar quiets. (laughs) Also, can I just like briefly ask why is her photographer named Bozo? I don't know. That is a straight up clown name. Sam, do you know who Bozo the Clown is? Yes, I do. Um, Okay. But, um, yeah, no. No, do not understand. It's not a good name. It's a ba- It's like, even as a nickname, that's a, that's a shitty nickname. Maybe like, she doesn't even know his name and she just says whatever feels right. I feel like he has to know that she's a beetle. Like, if someone, <laughs> if I could turn into a beetle and it wasn't allowed and there was, like, one person who kind of had to know, yeah. I, would, I would want to know their name, you know? Mm, I still feel like maybe he doesn't know, though. Yeah, maybe he's just, like thought that she's found a way to sneak on campus or something. Maybe he just thinks she's doing something like <laughs> something like illegal in a different way. I, like maybe he's like, oh, she's just like breaking and entering. She's not doing illegal animagious shit. It would just be so much easier to like get away with all of that if like I didn't have to worry about blackmail mm-hmm. from like okay. the one person it's closest true. to me. And that's true. That's a good point. I I just watched Groundhog Day the other day, (laughs) which involves the, it's like, like the gang is like the weatherman, the cameraman and the producer. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking about how if Bill Murray had been a bug in that scenario, I, he's not tight with the, I mean, at the beginning of that's the whole plot of Groundhog Day, but at the, he's not tight with them and he definitely could fuck off and become a bug if he needed to. Mm -hmm. So Rita fucking Skeeter is like, oh, do you want to interview your thoughts about the real Hagrid? And Harry's like, uh, I've been burnt before. Fuck no. Yeah, fuck no. And Hermione gets involved and fucking Rita fucking Skeeter tells her to fuck off, basically. She calls her a silly little girl. So now Hermione is livid and vows vengeance. Oh, this is a chapter where we get to see the one true Hermione. I love it. <laughs> yeah. This is where I go... If the boys didn't restrain her, she probably would have punched Rita Skeeter in the face, and I would be very happy. That would have been amazing, but she would have gotten in a lot of trouble. And no, well, I wouldn't. I I, I think I, it would be a McGonagall cookie situation. 
<laughs> have a biscuit, Potter. <laughs> what? Have a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and like Rita Skeeter starts writing shit about Hermione now anyway, so you might as well just punch her if you're gonna get punished. Yep. So Hermione vows vengeance, and she is in fact so fucking mad that she marches all the way to Hagrid's house <laughs> and actually reminds Harry of the Draco punching incident from the yeah. previous book, which I think is really interesting because we don't see like we don't see Hermione this angry very often. And right. the other thing was, if I had to use one swear word in this whole book, it would be Hermione calling Rita Skeeter a bitch. Nice. Yeah. 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 I feel like Hermione might be the kind of person who's like, I don't think it's right for women to call other women bitches. We all have that phase and then you got to get over it. Yeah, like, you got to get call over it. it. Just, just call everyone a bitch. Yeah. I would give her, I would give her in this chapter, maybe open the fucking door if she gets one swear. If it, yeah. if anyone <laughs> deserves like one swear in the entire series, like to just say it in text, it's definitely Hermione. Yeah. Yep. She's carried so much. So she starts pounding on Hagrid's door, hollering about, we don't fucking care about that stupid article and you're being dramatic and you can't let her do this to you. So open the fucking door because we want to see you. Um, And the door opens and it's fucking Dumbledore. (laughs) And it's very funny because Hermione's like, oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) So Dumbledore invites them in. Hagrid does not look good. Dumbledore has clearly been trying to talk some sense into Hagrid. He brought letters from parents talking about how they remember Hagrid and like Dumbledore is not to fire him for this. And Harry is like, dude, I have shitty relatives too. (laughs) And Dumbledore is like, me too. My brother fucks goats. (laughs) (laughs) This is where the, the legendary line about how do either of you have it open in front of you? Yes, I... An excellent point, said Professor Dumbledore. My own brother Aberforth was prosecuted for practicing inappropriate charms on a goat. It all—it was all over the papers, but did Aberforth hide? No, he did not. He held his head high and went about his business as usual. <laughs> of course, I'm not entirely sure he can read, so that may not have been ba- bravery. Love it. I love that line. I love how he continues to fuck the goats. Like, after... <laughs> When this came up on the podcast before, I remember speculating about this specifically, and I just remember Mary Clay saying, He was like, what if a goat had two bucks? <laughs> you know, like that kind of magic. <laughs> Gene Belcher somewhere in presumably New Jersey just perks up. I'm summoned. So maybe Aberforth fucks goats. Maybe he just does weird experiments on goats, which still sounds like a fucking thing. There's no way to phrase it and have it not sound like halfway sexual. (laughs) So apparently Hagrid has tried to resign and Dumbledore has refused to accept it. So Dumbledore is like, and that's that. I'll see you at breakfast at 830 on Monday and you'll be back to teaching. So um, I feel like he's like Professor Gubbley playing specifically said that she was only going to give me a week. So I actually really need you to pull it together. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely feel like this is the whole, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like Rita Skidder isn't allowed on campus. And I don't like, he, I don't know how aware he would be of it, but like, you know, you're safe here. 
as much as, you know, you don't feel, you know, respected and the, the kids are going to treat you like shit. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you're safe here. I can look after you. If you go out somewhere, someone's going to provoke you. You're going to hurt someone and your whole life is going to be ruined. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking implications here. Yeah. So Dumbledore leaves and then Hagrid starts talking about his dad. He shows the trio a little picture of his little daddy. How? I've logistically. Hot dog how? down a hallway. That's all I can think. I'm I'm like, I wanna know what the meat cute was. Was Hagrid's <laughs> how did they why would that end up happening? All I can think is that Hagrid's father must have been Wizard Steve Irwin. <laughs> like, maybe he had, they don't have shows, a radio show about, like, <laughs> magical creatures show. that, like, you think are dangerous, but they aren't actually. And, like, as proof, here's my giant wife and my giant son. <laughs> it reminds me of, there was a TV show in Australia. I don't know whether it was in the US. I think it was the UK. It called The Deadly 60. Um, and we, I watched that as a kid quite a lot. And it was this guy going around and, like, rating how deadly... Like, every, all the animals were, and it just went around the world. I'm like, that person could be fucking an animal. Like, who knows? <laughs> oh. Plus, like, the fact that he died when Hagrid was, like, 12, which I'm guessing, I'm guessing magical creature accident. Like. Yeah. yeah. He got squished by his wife. Oh. They tried to do it again. <laughs> oh, it was going to be reunion sex and it didn't work out. <laughs> I was thinking about how um, in the olden days, and I think in still, you know, in some places today, when you have a baby, sometimes the hospital will give you, or you could buy a baby box so that your baby can sleep in the bed with you, but you put them in the box so they don't roll over so you don't roll over on them. Um, and I'm thinking about how about how lots of animals accidentally like roll over on their baby children. <laughs> and I'm just picturing... Hagrid's mom just like in bed just like rolls over a little too hard <laughs> isn't that the Bob's Burgers episode with the Halloween party and the gerbil oh my god and, uh, and Bob uh, accidentally sits on it and the, yeah the guinea pig he accidentally sits on it while wearing the fat suit and doesn't realize guinea pigs aren't flat Bob they don't just look like this in the wild alright well uh, we're gonna go uh, Lynn, get your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great party. Seriously, I hope that uh, Francis comes, is gets better. Bob's my plug. This episode is Bob's Burgers Halloween episodes. <laughs> they good. They good shit. <laughs> they always bring their A game. The chapter ends with Harry lying to Hagrid about his progress with the egg to give him just a little ray of hope. Which uh, that one, I'm like, okay, <laughs> but you oh. should be honest with Hermione. And Hagrid, Hagrid hitting him with the "That's my boy." Yep. Oh, daddy. And it even says Harry even says like lying to everyone else is like one thing, but like lying to Hagrid that doesn't feel good. Nah, Mm, this feels morally wrong. Yeah, I I really find it fascinating because like of all the people Harry's known, he's known Hagrid for the longest. Um. And we know Hagrid's emotionally vulnerable. Whether it's manipulative or not, it's another thing, another discussion for another day. However, like, he sits there and Harry goes, I've been actively avoiding this. And it reminds me of, like, 
me sitting down to do a job. Like, I've got to clean the house today. And I'm sitting here and go, I've been actively avoiding this for the last three weeks. And now I've got mm. to knuckle down and do it. And I have no idea where the fuck to start because I've left it for so long. Well, he yep. knows where to start in this case, and it's swallow your pride and take Mr. Steelio girl's advice. Yeah. With a yep. ghost. You gotta. Hurts. Yeah, so he's like, I guess next chapter I'll take a bath. And scene. And scene. Yeah, so definitely, I mean, I hope you've been coming back, dear listener, from episode to episode. I hope you don't need this direction, but please do come back next week because this is one of my favorite chapters, The Egg and the Eye. Um, It's like one of those chapters that's much better and funnier in the books. There's like a whole... Yeah. There's like a whole half of the chapter that doesn't make it into the movies where Harry gets stuck in a trick staircase under the invisibility cloak, but the egg rolls away and starts screaming and Filch and Snape come and then Mad-Eye Moody comes and he can see through the invisibility cloak and it is like a fucking shit show. It is like (laughs) such a good chapter. Every time I read it, I just hear Benny Hill music in my head. Yeah, and we have a, a really cool guest coming on for that one, um, a brand new guest. So I'm really excited about that. So please, please come back. He runs like a pantomime. Like, it just like one ridiculous situation to another. And if you were like watching it, you'd be yelling going, no, stop. That's like how pantomimes used to run. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what. He's under the cloak. I remember my mom reading that chapter to me and like both of us just having to pause several times be like, oh no, oh no. (laughs) Yeah, it do be that way. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. Are y'all ready to move on to some plugs? Sure. Awesome. Sam, can you remind people about your podcast and where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, I've been Sam. Um, I continue to be Sam. I continue to exist as Sam. Um, however, um, if you do want to find more of my lovely Australian accent combined with whatever accent I stumble across, um, go <laughs> head out, uh, go and check out Content and Capable. Uh, we've only recently just come back, um, as the time of this is coming out. Uh, we're a few weeks, uh, into, um, new episodes. I've got some amazing guests lined up. Uh, some really interesting stories um, and we just really explore how um, you can feel follow your dreams and passions while still feeling like an adult so go and check out content and capable um, you can find me personally at sam.the.journalist at on instagram and tiktok and sam ob journalist on twitter awesome thank you so much and what is something that you've been watching reading playing etc lately that you think the listeners of our show would like I uh, have been recently watching Hawkeye. Um, it came out over the Christmas time. I didn't get around to watching it because I'm lazy. Um, and <laughs> um, so I've just started watching it. And it's really, really fun. Um, interesting. It's a Marvel thing, but it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. Like, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got... Oh, I always forget her name. She's the new gal in the Pitch Perfect 2 movie. Um, and plays Emily Dickinson and Dickinson. I always forget this person. I actually have no idea. Haley Steinfeld. That's it. She's really awesome. I really love her acting. Um, and um, it's just a real fun thing to watch. So yeah, go and check it out. It's on Disney Plus. Hell yeah! Thank you so much, Haley. Where can people find you on the internet? 
Uh, if you must, you can follow me on Twitter at the writ to wit. And my plug for this week uh, is going to be a bit of an unusual one, um, but I'm I'm feeling ornery about it. It's a weird thing to be <laughs> ornery about, but it's handkerchiefs. <laughs> Let me tell you why handkerchiefs are good. Um, used to be people would carry handkerchiefs, and then people found out about how germs work. Uh, and then the tissue companies appeared and they were like, hey, it's disgusting that you're carrying around a rag full of germs in your sleeve or your pocket. Here's a disposable product that you can use one time and then throw away and it's more hygienic. Here's the problem with that. Um, that mentality has made it into the future, people still feel a little gross about handkerchiefs for that reason. Mm -hmm. How many times, unless you're like actively sick, do you ever use a tissue once and then throw it away? Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I keep so, them in my sleeves like a grandma. Yeah, so instead you're carrying around a piece of uh, flimsy, non-absorbent tissue paper full of your germs instead of, you know, a nice soft piece of flannel. Yeah. Um, so you can make your own. You can get cute ones off Etsy. They come in 10 packs. They're adorable. Yeah. You can rewash them. They save you money. They save the environment. Handkerchiefs, get yourself some. Yeah. I particularly recommend if you have hay fever and your nose reacts really badly to stuff, my brother um, just has like 50 handkerchiefs that's just sitting in his cupboard and he always has one on him. Um, and it's really good because it just means you're not... It also means you're irritating your nose less because it's fabric and not paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Haley. I was about to say I'll get some handkerchiefs, but I already have handkerchiefs, including the ones you gave me recently because they weren't quite your vibe, a.k.a. they were hot pink. They, I mean, they, they were super, super cute, and you're super, super cute. Ah! ah thank you. You're welcome. I've been your host, Christina. You know where to find me. And today I'm going to plug all of the Valentine's Day episodes of Bob's Burgers. Valentine's Day is this upcoming Monday. And every year, every holiday, I like to watch the according adult cartoon episodes, particularly Bob's Burgers. So <laughs> I should have ranked them before I did this because I, ra I ranked the Christmas episodes. But I'll do that on my Instagram um, sometime, maybe this weekend. But um, season three, episode 13, My Fuzzy Valentine is about Bob trying to find like the perfect Valentine's Day gift for Linda. And it's great. I'm, I'm going to end all of them with and it's great. <laughs> um, season five, episode 11, Can't Buy Me Math is about a fake date, fake dating trope gone wrong. Season six, episode seven, is the Gene and Courtney show, and it's about um, <gasps> Gene and Courtney doing like their school radio show, but they're only they only have chemistry when they're not in love. So it's like the show or us. Yeah. <laughs> Season seven, episode nine, is Bob actually, which is like a um, it's like one of those episodes where it's like all the different relationships. It's almost like um, oh yeah, like Love Actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, what's that movie? <laughs> Um, like, yeah, like all the different relationships on Valentine's Day. And it's very funny because Tina has like a diarrhea all day long. But Jimmy Jr. is trying to plan this really romantic acrobatic kiss with her. And it's just, she's just like, it's not the day. But she doesn't want to say no. So um, then there's also season eight, episode eight, V for Valentine Detta. This is the one where Tina's heartbroken. So they go out on a girl's limo night to try to make her feel better. So it's a shit oh, show. It has, it has I Nat, love that one. Yes, that. <laughs> Everyone love, fucking loves Nat. Season 9, episode th 13, Bed, Bob, and Beyond. <laughs> yes. 
Bob and Linda are like fighting, and then there's something about a movie. I need to rewatch this one. They recruit. They like talk about different movies. Like they create endings to the movie they left. Oh yeah, to try to like convince them to not be mad at each other anymore, right? Yeah. Aww. Yeah. And then there's season eleven, episode eleven, romancing the beef, which is where Louise convinces them to. Um, try to like cash in on Valentine's Day diners. So there, I'm going to rank those on my Instagram. <laughs> There's also, it's not a Valentine's episode, but I think it, it should be Valentine's Day adjacent. And that's season mm-hmm. 10, episode one, the ring, but not scary. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, that is a good one. Um, yeah, where Bob gets Linda <laughs> an engagement ring because apparently she never got one. Yeah. It's another Nat episode too. Yeah. 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 Yep. Nat. <laughs> There, I mean, there's a lot of great Linda and Bob, like, lo- like relationship episodes. So maybe I'll rank the Valentine's Day episodes and I also compile a list of good non-Valentine's Day ones that are big on the love. Yeah. Although that's just anything with Lin- a Linda plotline in it, really. <laughs> it's true. It's true. My personal favorite of all of the Bob's Burgers Valentine's episodes is my fuzzy valentine it's the one where linda is doing speed dating in the restaurant because they just leave her alone and she needs supervision for sure um and it's it's very funny and it it just it goes awry really quick (laughs) she gets arrested for stealing a cop's firearm i just wanted to get control of speed dating that does not seem like a thing you would need a gun for i love it Okay, I'll stop. I just love Bob's Burgers. It makes me feel good inside. <laughs> it does. Like, I cannot, like, since you've recommended it to me, I cannot recommend it more. You know, it's just something good to have on that's funny and interesting. It very much has community vibes. If you like community or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the chaos mm. that is Bob's Burgers is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, that's that. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your perspective on this chapter in particular. No worries. Thank you so much for having me on and letting me info dump at the very beginning about all things news. Yes. And if you haven't yet, definitely, definitely check out Content and Capable because there's some really excellent stuff over there. Like there's just such a great variety of content. So I love it. Check it out. And Haley, thank you as always for being my trusty co-pilot. Hey, anytime. Yeah. All right, gang, I got to go finish reading Divination Most Foul, Using Eggs to See the Future, before this book throws a butterbeer on me. Bye. It's funnier It's funnier when, yeah, it's spelled like foul, like a foul bird that would lay it's, eggs. It's always funnier when you explain the joke. But I, it was as like As we've a, established. It was like, I wrote a wordplay joke that's only funny when you look at it, and I don't know why I thought that was a good idea Because for you're podcast. a fucking writer. <laughs> The Restricted Section is delighted to be a member of the Movie Night Crew Podcast Network, featuring other amazing podcasts such as Content and Capable. Having recently become an adult, Sam is on a quest to find out how to actually be one. Each week, Sam asks people how they are content with their life and feel capable as a functioning adult in society. Hi, my name's Sam, and I've recently become an adult. But why does adulting have to suck? Join me on my journey to rediscover the joy of following your passions as an adult and discuss it with people who are doing just that. I'll sit down with a variety of people from all walks of life and ask the important questions while trying to figure out what does it really mean to adult. Whether you're a pro or haven't even started, come and listen wherever you get your podcasts and hopefully you might learn a thing or two. The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. 
logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod, on Twitter at RestrictedPod, and on Facebook at RestrictedSectionPod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. It's a Sunday, which means that every Australian is mowing their lawn. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.